This is an exclusive House Ramirez and Dolo Darnell exclusive. to have the opportunity to speak to my brother truth and his wife you know um they're doing big things right now and it's an eye opener the book that they have so i want to go ahead and emphasize and just let you guys know this is going to spark conversation this is going to spark the opportunity for you to actually ask questions and ask who you are where you are from and where your family's really originally from um, it did the same for me. So I'm bringing this conversation onto my platform to spark um, not just conversation, but to awaken you as an individual. Um, we're so great. You know, we come from great descendants, great families, and we need to know who we are to understand where we're going. So um, Truth, um, can you and your wife please tell me a little bit about yourselves? Um, I guess we could start with you, Truth. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the audience who you are, where you're from. Okay, well, um, I'm True, I'm True Fali, and uh, out of respect uh, for my wife and our family, it's always courteous for men to allow the women to make the present known, speak first, give her the platform, <laughs> and yield to her. So I definitely want to do that. So that way I'm honoring my, my wife and my family and uh, I can come behind you and speak. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm Ma'atia um, from originally from New Jersey. Um, my husband and I have been working on several projects, um, several books, uh, that, but this is the most recent one, American History Live, We Are Not Black. And uh, we just got a lot to go into, so I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'm um, Truth uh, Ali. Um, uh, I would say that I'm from New Jersey, except for that would be a misnomer. Uh, one of the original or Aboriginal names of this geographical location that our ancestors called it was called Lenape Hookin Territory. We also refer to it as uh, a Mexum or Northwest South Central Mexum uh, that people call today modern America. Um, and essentially a um, father, a uh, friend, a poet, an uh, author. And as an author, I like to refer to myself as what we call a restoring, because I feel as though that I'm working towards bringing a conversation to restore the consciousness of our people who have been misinformed, who have been falsified uh, in terms of having false information being presented that we've accepted as real. And so as a restorian, I feel as though I'm bringing content that's not new however it has been what you call possibly hidden possibly uh withheld and i'm doing my best to do substantive research with verifiable information detailed literature evidence etc proof fact irrefutable evidence to present to our people that say here let's examine some 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 of the historical content that's been given to us and let's see, can we get information that will cause us to be more objective to the information that we've been given? Um, and I want to show you a copy of the book if you can see it. And uh, this is what's called American History Live, We're Not Black, Dispelling a Misconception. And um, this book is all about dispelling the misconception that we have about ourselves as a people, dispelling the misconception that we have about our people, and to prove to our people that we are not black and that is a misclassification 
that is a brand and that is a term that's derived from Eurocentric ideology that has been used to hide the true identity of indigenous people and to also create division amongst our people as well. And ultimately, when I talk in terms of the content of history, we, we a lot of us know that we talk his story, which is a possessive pronoun, of course, uh, that refers to him, his, his story, what he's talking about, not her story, not your story, not our story. So for me, we are being very objective to the content that we refer to as history. And I kind of counter that with this, this, this content that I call the historical expression, because it refers to our story and it doesn't really exclude history, but it's not the sole content used to refer to anything in terms of antiquity or present day uh, events going on. So that's essentially what we've been working towards and bringing this content to our people to wake them up and to say, listen, you're not black, you're not Negro, you're not colored, you're not Native American, you're not Indian, you're not all these negative terms that we have as associated and referred to ourselves. And my goal is to be able to bring facts to make you not only think, but to do something about correcting the misclassification that our people have been subject subjugated to, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. that's essentially what we're working on. Right. Yeah, most definitely. And you know, um, I definitely applaud that because it takes it takes true, true sense of love for self and your family, your lineage to actually even start asking questions, you know. Um, I, I speak from experience. You have to ask questions um, only if you really care about yourself. Um, and when you start caring about yourself, you no longer pay attention to the derogatory terms and names that are put on you. You know, we are not what others tell us that we are. We are great standing alone from where we come from. But where do we come from? So this book actually, like you mentioned, it, it definitely helps everyone understand that you have to do some digging to see where you come from because all these names that have been placed on African-American Black people, that right. ain't it. Right. I mean, it goes back into that right there. It's just alone, just the, 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 the craziness, the equivocal confusion that's being created as a result of these terms for an individual to say, well, I'm Black. Then five minutes later, they said that they're African-American. Then they turn back around and they said that they colored or whenever they put their documents on or they fill out application, they say, well, I'm going to put other. They do all these things. And when they do this, especially when they put other on a, on a contract, is the indication that they're not aware or they're conscious of who they are. And mm -hmm. when we talk lineage, Black is in the lineage, you know, and most people, uh, not only have we been misclassified, but the falsification of consciousness. You know, Dr. Amos Wilson talks about this, the falsification of what he calls African consciousness. And because information has been falsified, we have adopted, inadvertently adopted, and it has been also imposed on us these, these derogatory terms. It's, it's no different if a Caucasian came into the room and it's full of indigenous people, what you call melanated people who refer to themselves as black. And they say, well, look at all these niggers in here and we'll be upset. We be ready to fight. You'll see a whole riot and everybody be banging on this guy. You know what I mean? Like, cause they're not going to mm -hmm. accept being being called a nigger. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. However, they accept the term black when it has the same inception as the term nigger because it's a derogatory term used to hide the identity. When we talk about the term black, we say, well, who came up with this term? How old is this term? And 
is it associated with any type of African or Aboriginal dialogue? And you find out that it's not, it comes from Germany, it comes from Portuguese, it comes from Dutch. When you go back and you do the history, it goes to Greece, you find out that this term has, is, has evolved from Eurocentric dialogue or what you call Eurocentric language. And it has been used to just pretty much just misclassify the people and brand them. And, it, and it's simple. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I have property, you know, uh, whether it's pigeons, whether it's yeast, whether it's chicken, whatever it may be, and I decided I want to give them a name, I'm going to call them whatever name I'm going to call them, but it's going to be my brand. Coca-Cola is a brand. Black mm-hmm. is a brand. You know, people are marching in the street screaming Black Lives Matters. And I understand the, the, the emotional... Uh, Attachment to, to that. Yeah, yeah, I understand the emotional attachment and the approach to get resolved. However, we are still following the same footsteps from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, looking for economical, political correction. And Black ain't going to correct the political, right. social status of our people. It's an emotional, connotative term because Black is a so the term Black as it's applied to people is associated with this negative stigma that you were slaves, that you was beaten, that you was deprived, that you was raped. It's all this connotative, negative, emotional experience that's associated with it. So we... We look towards it, we flip it, contort it to what we want to feel good about. And we say, this is our identity. While the whole entire world is looking at us like we're crazy because I'm gonna, because there is no Black people in the United Nations. There is no Black language. There is no mm-hmm. Black flag. There's no national flag. There, and we start asking people these things and we sit down very simple and ask them and look at them in the face and say, well, what makes you Black? Or can you prove to me that you're Black? And they'll sit there real puzzled. And you'll find out that because they may not have the answers, they'll give an emotional response. You're not going to tell me that I ain't black. You don't know what you're talking about. And they start looking at you sideways like you are misinformed when they don't recognize this is the issue with them. So let me yield the floor because I know my wife can say something. Yeah. Um, I was just following off of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, during slavery, when every a lot of people know this already, we were given the names of our slave masters. So Williams is brand. Um, Dickie is brand. Uh, there's so many last Johnson, names, Johnson, Jones. Like all of those are names that were given to us in slavery. And even though, like I was saying, we might have like a Smith Union Union, that's a brand, that's a name that was given to your ancestors because they said, we're not going to call you by your name. We're going to call you our name. So if you get lost, we can find you, you know? So that was Smith's property, no different than cattle, sheep, anything else. Our name was given to us just like that. And we're at a point in today's time where we can rename ourselves, we classify ourselves, but first we have to identify that the names that we were given is a problem. So I was gonna say, do you wanna read her the definition of black? Have you ever read the definition of black or? um, Well, I have, but I want y'all to read it. So I've I've read a few interesting things It's just mind blowing, but right now I'm all, the whole spotlight is on you guys. So in the book. And I just want to let people know, I wore black on purpose, black lipstick and black t-shirt or blouse, because I just want to let y'all know, of course, my family's from Mexico. I'm wearing black, but it doesn't mean that the ethnicity black is on my lips. It just doesn't make sense. It's just the color. It's just, so it it's, right. it's just a color. And when you look at it like that, it's no different than if we see a mouse that got black fur, for instance. You know, mm-hmm. do, is it no longer a mouse? Is it black now? Or is it a mouse with black fur? You know, and what happens is people don't recognize that black, you can, matter of fact, you can get any dictionary, black in itself is an adjective. 
So we start. Let's go ahead. You got it. Let's go ahead. Pull it up. Let's do it. Yeah, let's pull it up. So I'm going to read what's here, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read some of the things. So this is black. This comes from a Western uh, Dictionary, seventh edition, uh, 1963. Uh, Just looking at the term black, and most of the time, people really don't know how to look at a dictionary. A lot of people don't know how to read a dictionary. That's the first thing. Because if you knew how to read a dictionary, you will understand that black could not be applied to people as an identity. It may can describe something, but when we start describing people, we understand that we're not a description, okay? It's a person, place, or thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And of course, we're living beings. So who are you? But anyway, let's get into black. It lets you know from the gate, AD, ADJ, which it, it means it's an acronym adjective. for adjective. So mm-hmm. it lets you know it's an adjective, which means that it modifies a noun. It gives a description to a noun, okay? And then as soon as you see it, you see it in brackets, when you look in brackets, you find out the etymology, meaning the origin of where the words come from. As soon as you see the brackets, it says M-E, which is Middle English, okay? So now when you hear that M-E in Middle English, boop, time period. So now we can identify the chronology of where the term come, come from. So we're thinking 1300s now. So we think in 1300s, when you go 1300s, 21st century, you're saying, wait a minute, that's what, only 800 years. So term black is only 800 years old? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So as we go on, then it says black, that's M-E black. So black is spelled B-L-A-K. Then it says F-R, which means from, O-E, which means Old English. So Old English was black, B-L-A-E-C. So it's telling you that it was derived from Middle English, also from Old English, akin to Old High German black. And then it's go on and on and on to where this word has its inception from. And today when you see the term black, it's a variant spelling of Greek, of German, of Portuguese, you name it. And so when you start looking at the time period, you say, so what were we calling ourselves before the 1300s? Mm. And we got to remember, 1300s also means 14th century. So when we talk about 14th century, we know that we was dealing with the Inquisition. When the Christians came here to this landmass and they began to colonize and commit acts of genocide against the indigenous people in the name of Christianity. This is a fact, you know? It ain't like, and, and to prove my point, you can look up the Doctrines of Discovery, 1452. You can look up the Roman Pontifex. You don't have to take my word. And so when we start looking at this, you start seeing the purpose, branding, the mislabeling. And you have to remember, we were fighting the Christians, the Africans of Iberia, Algeria, uh, and North Africa, were, who we refer to ourselves as Moors, were at war with the Christians. And so when they came over here to, to what we call modern-day America, they see the same folks here, they said, uh, we got to enslave these people. And when they did that, they began to hide the true nationality, the true identity of the indigenous people. So how, how backwards do it feel if I was to come in and kick in your door, force you to be subjected to me, change your name, first deprive you of your language, identity, and then spiritual system. And then tell you that your only way of expression of being able to identify yourself with communicating what we call the most high is through a Christian doctrine. You see what I'm saying? And if you haven't mm-hmm. read the Secret Treaty of Verona, the Roman Pontifex, or the Doctrine of Discovery, you're, you're going to be under the impression that, that your concept about spirituality is predicated on Christianity. And I'm saying, no, it's bigger than that. Yeah. It's, Christianity is just one fold. And I'm not knocking, I'm just saying it's just one fold, and it has its inception as a result of the genocide committed against us. And so how does this play in terms of... Um, are people referring to themselves as black? Well, simple, because 
you have to look up what you call the 1724 Black Christian Codes. So that's something for people to look up for themselves. And they can find this on congressional records. So this has all been documented and reported. There's nothing new. Look up the 1724 Black Christian Codes. And also look up um, the 1740 Negro Act. These are mm -hmm. doctrines or enactments that define what Negro is, what Black is, and what color is. And colored is defined in law as prima facie evidence, um, something that appears to be real, but absolutely is not real. And this is what people are referring to themselves when they start doing contracts and they have birth records, for instance, and they classify themselves as Black. And then they say, we want rights. We have equal rights. Well, the question becomes, like we talk all the time, well, if in 1868, everybody was given equal citizenship rights, we have the same rights as so-called Europeans and so-called privileges. We all, everybody, 1868, then how come they ask you what's your identity or what's your race on an application? Whether you flown out for an apartment, whatever, they ask you these things. Why do they ask you that if you was given equal citizenship status? Why? See what I'm saying? So unless you know that it means it comes with classification or misclassification, rewards or subjugation. And which one are you receiving? Because you're not receiving mm. no rewards. And then we have political leaders, social leaders that know these facts, but it's their job to keep you induced, to make you feel emotionally charged when you start talking about this idea of black people. Oh, I'm melanin. Everybody on the planet got melanin in them, mm -hmm. okay? It doesn't justify um, referring to yourself as black because no matter how you look at it, it's a derogatory term. So the question becomes, what was your language? What was the name of your land? What was the name of your people? Where did it derive from? And what was our language? And what did we refer to ourselves at before then? What were we saying before the 1400s? And when you start asking people these questions, they get real puzzled. And they'll find some type of way to justify referring to themselves as uh, as a brand, right? You know, because it makes them feel good to say I'm a black man. Well, let's let's think about that. Most people say I'm a black man. I'm a black woman, because it's in opposition to what we call so-called white. Well, that's interesting because the term black comes from Eurocentricity. It's created by mm -hmm. European people. So, are you really escaping it? No, you're not, because mm -hmm. you're still trapped in the ideology and the philosophies of Europeanization. And they call that Hellenism, right. which is Greek philosophy, the, the study of Greek ideology, because we're still referring to it and we're not escaping it. This is why we refer to the falsification of uh, consciousness, African consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, so you want to say something? No, you want to say something? No, not. <laughs> okay. Like, you want to there say something? Right. After, he, after he spilled all of it. <laughs> He's yeah, like, oh, you got me. something to say. Right, right. The book, the book is, he, he do that all the time. The book is so packed. It really is condensed with so much information. You got to take your time and, and go through it. Well, and the book is, um the book is not, it's also presenting imagery, you know, from statues oh, yeah. to paintings. We did speak about that. I did right. notice that last time we spoke. Can you go ahead? Would you mind sharing that with us? No, nah, I can show you some pictures real quick on here. Yeah. Uh, what I do is I forge, I forge you a couple pictures too, just so you can have it so people can see. So we start looking at the images because the narrative that we've been given with American history is that we have been in relationship to our people who have been misclassified as black. When you're dealing with American history, especially in this month, so-called black history month, mm. we have been told that we were slaves and that we came over here in the transatlantic slave ship. Right. You know, that's our only story. And the only stories that we get is Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, maybe, but primarily them three people. Right. You know, so here it is that we're in February, and this is going to be the main thing that we talk about. And so when we start looking at the imagery. Real quick, before, 
truth comes from a background of teaching and doing a lot of like lecturing. So you can tell. <laughs> Even though I love it. Interview, I be telling them, I'll be like, take a break. Let, let's ask the questions. <laughs> no, no, I'm but with it. You know, I want to I show real quick. The book is not thick, okay? But when I say can this information, like when you open up the first couple of pages, if you like really look into these images to the pictures, it's a it's a wealth of knowledge, history, information. I mean, he has articles, everything, congressional rec records, so it's done thoroughly. Um, so when I say that it's you know a, a dense book, it's it's real good for children because it's or or just anybody that maybe has a short attention span, a span because there's so many images, so many pictures, and at the same time there's powerful points on every page. So it's just a really it's really well done. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And that's the whole thing. And so essentially, like with the book, I have like, you can see it kind of, I have certain chapters in my book yep. that refers to the Europeanization of Aboriginal people, where you see the original images of our people, uh, so-called so -called Black folks being decorated, looking like what we call modern day so-called Native Americans or Indigenous people. And then you'll see at the bottom, you'll see the same people being depicted as Europeans. And this is the image that's being taught in the schools today. And so mm -hmm. while we go to the book, I have probably at least it's countless, it's countless, it's countless images. It's countless images showing you the Europeanization of, of Aboriginal people and how we went from being indigenous, everybody around the world being indigenous to all of a sudden being slaves. And so whenever you hear Europeans who were colonists, especially Christians, talking about indigenous inhabitants, they always refer to them as savages. And then you say, well, they were savages. What did these savages look like? What did these indigenous people who you call Native American who were savages look like? And you find out that they was African people who migrated from West Africa, who not even migrated, because we forget that this was once one continent. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't about a, a know, migration. We was what, already here. What I two things, what I ask people, it's like, who is really the savage if you over here killing folks and raping folks, like well, and stealing well, identities? Like your book clearly states to us that we are Spanish and black communities, which of course, right. you know, we've had these things for so long and they took it from us. And then they blur out who you uh -huh. really are with these names like black or or well, brown just to mask and fuzz you out to not really know who you are why they wearing your shit yeah, I mean, you that's called there you go so that's honestly it's real quick nah, i don't want to move so on the point because, uh, okay, well, go ahead. yeah i don't want to move on the point i want to touch on what you just said because the thing about calling somebody a savage calling them infidels calling people less than or inferior calling them pagans meaning they would they have christian gods the reason for that was so that way they can be treated savagely. So if I say that you're a savage and I come in with the sword and I'm going to kill you and rape you because I don't see you as having dignity. This is all what you call, for me, it's an injustification. But for them, it was a justification for them doing what they did to us, to murder us, to rape us. What do you call it and when you plan out how you want to murder somebody? What is that called? Oh, it's called premeditated premeditated murder. Premeditated murder. Well, that's why you go. Well, that's why you go. That's what it always is. And that's why you go back to the doctrines of discovery. You know what I mean? You go back to the Roman Pontifex. You go back to the Secret Treaty of Verona from twelve thirteen. When you start reading these popes' edicts, these these are edicts meaning doctrines that were created by popes 
Pope Insync uh, the third, Pope Alexander the third, and the fourth. We start reading these doctrines. You understand why they came over and started killing us in the name of their religion, and started raping and killing and murdering the people. Yeah, these Period. things were just like in our community now, where they put drugs, liquor stores, and it's all premeditated murder. They plan out what they're gonna put in our community, how they're gonna set us up, and then they watch us walk into it. And that's just like much just like gangs. Like you're right. You know, it's like gangs. Like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you know, this shit and that shit. Nah, motherfucker, like we need to wake up. We are the same people. They got tired of killing us directly and getting the fire and backlash for it. They actually right. dropped dividing our own. So not all skin folk are kin folk. And that's what I be trying to tell people all the time. Just because you look like me don't mean you with me. So, you know, they dropped two individuals that would be willing to get paid to start a fight amongst two different communities while the white people would sit back and just watch <laughs> ourselves get killed. They don't, right. they don't have to do it no more. They let right. us do it for them. So, you know, all this shit has been started from a long time ago and it's just evolved. They have learned how to master this manipulation and like you mentioned, pre premeditated murder amongst our own communities. And, and they no longer Yeah. Yeah, and then they can stand back and say, Well, we don't have anything to do with it, they do it to themselves. And I find it so interesting because uh before my husband started his research, I really was like, I, I held on to the term black and was like, this is from ancient Kemet. This word is from antiquity, our ancestors. And when he brought up the fact and showed me that it had nothing to do with, um, as we call Africa or ancient Kemet. And, and, and as we went on, we found out even Africans themselves, people from the continent, so-called Africa, don't call themselves black. They call themselves based on the land that they're from. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not Nigeria or Nigerians. That's how they that's how they speak to each other. Only here are we lost in that language of calling one another black or negro or nigga or anything else. Mm-hmm. So that is true. I had um I still have a friend. Uh he's his family's from Nigeria, Chimica. Shout out Chimica and his business. Um he actually speaks about how different families back at home they actually refer to each other based off a tribe. So if yeah. one household is named so-and-so, Chimica last name, then they say, oh, you from, uh, your father is so-and-so. So you from the tribe, you from the house of, you know, house of, and then you say your dad's last name or your grandfather's last name. It's like, yeah, we know you, you good people, you know? So that's how people refer to each other in other lands. You know, you're so-and-so son and you're from this area, you're from this tribe. Yeah. You know, this region, oh, we know you and it's respect. So why is it that it's so different here? Because it's been diluted for so long to keep us uh, blinded from what has really been going on for so long and continues to be going on. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a process that we call um, denationalization. Denationalization is a process of where a person is deprived of their national identity and they're forced to assume the identity that's given to them. And when you start studying things like the Sundry Free Moors Act or the, um, what's the name? I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, what's the other act that we was, we was looking at? The Dred Scott decision. Oh, yeah. When we start studying the Dred Scott decision and we start talking about a people in a Dred Scott who could not, who was an individual who was placed into what you call slavery. He was kidnapped, placed into slavery. And once 
they so-called had the emancipation, he was not able to prove that he was, um, that he was, you know, an African. He couldn't prove where he came from, basically. And because he couldn't prove where he came from, he had to, for he had to be forced to assume being classified as black mm -hmm. and being classified as a slave because he could not prove where he came from. He didn't know where his mother was from, where his father was from. All he knows is that, you know, we're free now. And I have a right to be free, you know, but he could not prove where he came from. And in the Central mm -hmm. Freedmores Act, it was different because in that particular act, that was like, what, 1740, um, where the Central Freedmores, who were people who were from the land of Morocco, so of course, African people who were kidnapped in Europe and then placed into bondage or into servitude here in America, who said, listen, when y'all pass this act called the Negro Act, I don't want to be classified underneath there because I have a nationality. They said, I'm a Moor. I'm not, I'm not black. I'm not a Negro. And the question becomes, why would we think that these Moors were Negro? It's because the simple fact of the matter is we know that Negro is a, is a term, it's a brand, and that the people who were enslaved, so-called Africans who were enslaved, had a national identity. It's just that they kept referring to us as black and misclassifying us as black because they stripped the name, stripped the identity, and we, as a result, centuries and centuries and centuries later, you're not able to make any association to it. Again, the term America, how, how ridiculous is it to say, again, um, African-American, and say it proudly, with confidence. Then you say, well, where do America come from? Where's that term derived from? You find out that it comes from another European whose name was, you know, um, America Vespucci, who the term came from. And then we find out that the term America was derived in 1507. So when you're looking at where this term was derived from, so before 1507, we wasn't referring to ourselves as no African-Americans or even Africans. We wasn't doing that here. And we start looking at the word Africa and where that term come from, we can go into a whole history of information to find out that these were all mostly Eurocentric terms or terms taken from what we call African culture and then represented in a diluted way, like you said, right. or a perverted right. way, a yeah. distorted way. You don't understand what Yeah, that's a Greek term. Cases, that's what the word Egypt means. There's so much, like, what I was going to say is that we were here way before they ever arrived. And they displaced us by calling us a different name, burned our libraries, burned our information, burned everything about our culture, and then renamed us and told us this is our start date. This is where we came from, from slavery, off slave ships. And we were already here. We already had boats. We already were doing traveling. There's tons of history out there. You can, even now in this book, it shows you African, uh, well, sure, I don't even want to say African. So, okay. It shows you indigenous people all around the world, ancient artifacts all around the world that have been found because we already traveled the world far before Columbus or anyone else. So that's why, that's what this book is bringing forward and showing everyone. Okay, and then one of the things I want to bring up is uh, even in this book, it talks about black, quote unquote, black history and its inception. So when you start looking at, uh, we start looking at Carter G. Woodson, who in 1969, who was one of the first individuals to create what you call Negro Week. As a result of Negro Week, that's when we came, that's where the idea of black history came from. But this wasn't before 1969. So 1970 in King College is the first time that we began to practice what you call Black History much, which means to this day, we'll make Black history only 50 years old. And if you ask people, is your history 50 years old? They're going to say, no, we've been here. Well, when you was here, then who was you when you was here before 50 years ago? You find mm -hmm. out that this is a modern term. And how was it celebrated during us? How was it even celebrated? You know, and it's sad because 
people aren't able to identify with who they really are, but they have all these emotional stigmas and attachments. And so that's why we say, one, American history has lied because it has purposely falsified information. We are not black. And if anybody's saying that they are black, just sincerely, give me the proof, give me the evidence, provide us with the facts. And if they can provide us with the fact, I'll take this book and I'll recant this book. I'll recant it. Don't come here and say, oh, well, you know, for instance, people like to say, well, like she was saying, they say ancient Kemet meant black. Well, this is interesting because if Kemet existed before the word black even existed, how can you say black is a transliteration of the word Kemet when the word predated the word black? So people try to use all these justifications to say that, yo, we black. And it's like, like no, no, no. The shirt that you got on today is black. That's about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? mm -hmm. And so we had a national flag and we still do. We have a national language. We still do. We have a culture and identity in the land as period. And when you start looking at the people all around the world, you find out that we all one affiliate and, and, and associated. But the goal has always been what for Europeans to divide and conquer. And if they can divide and conquer, that means that we'll do what? We'll abandon our state. Because again, if we refer, if I tell, if, if our children are growing up, and the only thing they know is that this is America. This is America. First of all, it's an English dialect. Second, they don't hear the Aboriginal language because we've been denied of that. So we don't hear it. We've been killed off. So they can never make any association or see relationship to it. I call that what you call, um, I call that uh, psychological, um, damn, I'm looking for the term <laughs> because it's a term, it's, it's it, disassociation. There you go. A psychological disassociation and culture disassociation because we are disassociated from the culture but we quickly say we black negroes bitches niggas all that other crazy stuff you know what i mean they'll have nothing to do with anything all the negative connotations we embrace it but as soon as you give them information to say you're not black people fight it they reject it not recognize it that we're only giving them tools and degrees to help strengthen their approach politically because imagine if we came together as a nation as a nation which is completely different than saying that we black, which is property, because remember, property do not have rights. And if you're classified as an African or even an African-American, we look up the Naturalization Act of um, 1870s, the first time the term European or the first, excuse me, the first time the term white was even used, they started classifying Africans as aliens. So you'd be, con you'd be considered a foreigner or as an alien, but here it is that you're saying that you're African-American. So here go the classification again, the misclassification again. So we got to pay attention to what's really going on because people haven't taught us civics. And as it relates to our story, we haven't been given. We've been given his story every day, social studies every day that's predicated on falsification, that's predicated on lies and deception. And we have adopted this. And so when people hear it, it's what you mean? You go into that psychosis, what you mean? Well, here go the evidence. Mm -hmm. And so it'd be challenging because people still refer to themselves as black. It's challenging to get them out of that conversation because once they free themselves from that, they begin to break the mentality that's adopted with it because it's then, a creation. Then you become, then you start to question everything. And then that, that in yeah. turn becomes a problem to the oppressor because, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What you mean? You're not what I told you you are. Not what there you, you gonna do? <laughs> then we become yeah. a problem <laughs> to yeah. them. Yeah. But, but they need us to, they need, see, the goal has been to keep us to acquiesce and admit to being Black. Because if we acquiesce our birthrights and admit to being Black, then that means that for them, well, you have no affiliation to this land because you came here on slave ships. Right. So you don't have no, no legal lawful rights. So 
black essentially like Elder Tasharik talks about, it makes you non-descendable because you cannot inherit something that you keep disassociating yourself from. You don't know you, and you won't even stand up for it. Yeah, you don't know that it's yours. You don't know that okay, it's yours. Um, all throughout school, it's been a, a really, for myself and a, a lot of the people that I know, it's been almost a thing of shame to be black because every year it's perpetuated. They teach this to keep it in our psyche, this thing about slavery. And it's done at, and it's done it, it's done strategically at Black History Month because it's like now we're going to tell you about yourselves. And we open a book, you see uh, women with very dark skin, kinky looking hair with, with scarves wrapped around their head. And that's the only identity that we have to identify with where we came from. Because when we ask our parents, where am I from? They say, I, I can't tell you, they don't know. So this is all we can associate ourselves with. And now moving forward, where are we going with this being our mindset? That all we are are people here to pretty much breed and take care of other people. That's our, that's from what we know is our history. But when we open up this book, my husband uh, will show you real quick about the minimalization of our culture. Because over time, we went from pictures of grandeur, when, when they rewrote our story, we became smaller and smaller and our, our features became less desirable. I mean, I know you've seen the pictures of Samba with the you know big white, almost looks pink looking lips and different faces, but he's gonna show you. Um, I'm thinking, this is the minimization. So this is the minimization of culture. So in the image you see a woman who's representing what you call America. Then at the bottom, you see some African people who's dressed up with tobacco leaves around their waist and feathers who look like some possible potential Native Americans, so-called Native Americans. Well, here go a bigger picture of them. They look like little children compared to her, but these are full grown adults. Look at the details in their body, mm -hmm. right? We got more pictures depicting the same. So in this, we are revealing the minimization of your culture and how they take it away from you. And then in the next phase, we show you, this is a emblem of America from the 1700s. In the back, you see what looks like a little African reading a book. But you know daggone well, mm. in the 1700s, there was none of us reading no books. Mm -hmm. and what's going on? Now you see right there, this representation of Europe. Mm -hmm. You see that lady with the headdress on? How was it? dawned on our heads and then taken away from our heads and now placed on her head. And now she's representing what you call today America, so-called America. Mm. So they take the culture in front of you and claim it for themselves. And then they minimize you and put you in the background and make you and reduce how you are. And this is essentially some of the things that you're going to find out that's in a book. And it's just to reflect and to show you what has been being done. So that means that if your culture has been minimized, essentially how you identify has been minimized. And, and of course, your relationship and how you perceive other people has been minimized. And so while we embrace these people today, while we accept and we tolerate without question, we don't, we don't, that means even we don't question them. And as a result, we don't question and ask questions about our own culture, about our own lineage. We don't see it, we don't ask for it. We kind of like accepted it and think that English is our language. I said, well, look. Why are you speaking English and you're not even in England? Okay, mm. you're not even in England. Okay, I'm not even from England. So what is what is our the language of our ancestors and why is it important for us to have? Well, we got to remember we're talking about consciousness because your natural state of consciousness will reject certain things. It will fight against certain things. So ultimately, when I talk about American history, I talk about American history in terms of it being a weapon, a psychological weapon used against indigenous people and the world over. And even Europeans, their children are finding out the truth. And even them, they upset. You know what I mean? Like what's going on? 
And this mm-hmm. ain't to bash any other ethnic group or none of that. It's to expose the facts and, and, and say, here it goes. Here go the evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about all the racism in the world. Here go the evidence to the contrary. Because like my wife always says, she said, racism is a proven system that has proven results that you can see and identify easily. And, 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 and for me, I don't just say racism. I also say alienation. Because if I can alienate your consciousness and alienate you from your identity, then that's all I need to do. And I don't have to worry about you coming back and asking or demanding something be given back to you. We're going to beg for privileges. We confuse privileges with rights. And we confuse color, black, with it being an identity when it's not an identity. It's not a nationality. It is a dead status in law, civil little more twos, which means dead before the eyes of the law. And if you don't, if you want, don't want to take my word, Look it up. Look, go get a Black Law Dictionary. Look up the definition of Black. Look up the definition of color. Look up the definition of Negro and see how it applies because you, you, you march and you protest it and I get the frustration. However, that's not the remedy for us. We have to correct the social political status. That's what has to be. And to do that, you got to give people new information. Information that's going to make them think and be objective to the information that they've been given. Period. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just my take on it right now. Oh, yeah, if you have some questions, yes. Yes, if you have any questions, Leslie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I did, Um, I, I think it's like 40 books right now. It's a Black Law, the fourth the fourth book. Yeah. Um, I saw this young man started reading from it. I, I picked it up from 3150, the clothing line. So shout out to my brothers at 3150 clothing line. Um, they were reading definitions of the word black, the word white, the word um just different words in this book and i'm just like yo i need this book you know it just it slowly opens your mind into the bigger picture which we're discussing now you know and a lot of people know it it took a long time for me to to be open-minded to understand that not all white people are the same you know what happened hundreds of years ago i know my neighbor had nothing to do with it, you know, he here now, she here now, you know, but it does not take away from what certain Euros have done, Euro people have done, um, and even the Spaniards have done long ago. It doesn't take away from that, that we're constantly living in this identity theft. You know, um, so I just, I want to thank you for that, because even in that picture where they uh, minimize the identity of uh, African, so to say, or indigenous, you know, they minimized it, the grown as man with abs, but you minimized him to be less than this white person, you know? Right. Um, so I, I do see that because at no point were we allowed to even read or talk our own languages, you know, there, there's this metal thing that they used to put into the slaves mouths with a knife because the black women Black women have been the strongest asset, black bone, backbone to the family. Black women would speak so much into you that you could have a shitty ass day. And after she uplifts you and she's done with your ass, you go out there and build a whole goddamn house. (laughs) So, you know, and they know this, they've known this for so long. So for us to even, like you were talking about, even talking English it's like and then my homeboy always says English is not even English it's like a fucked up version of what used to be Latin and all that shit 
he was like this this we're not even speaking properly he uh but we weren't allowed to speak back in the day they had this like metal head frame that they would put onto the black women because the black (laughs) women would uplift the men in their own native tongue and it had a sharp object people could look this shit up it's real as hell and it would have a sharp object so if you try uplifting or talking in your native tongue you can't because you chop up that shit so it's a headband a metal headband that they would put with a sharp object so you would not speak your native tongue so for years they have tried different ways it was so aggressive physically back in the day um like with such instances but now it's so strategic so we have to be smart we have to understand who we are and move strategically as well to help ourselves and help others around us um and help people that don't even like peep game actually be put on game you know um and and this is speaking to that a little bit that is what they call the two-edged sword because now it's so easy for us to tear each other down. It's so simple to just completely destroy our sons from the time they're babies uh, to our husbands or our partners. It's so easy to be like, you ain't shit. You ain't doing this for me. You ain't doing it so fast. And the same voice that we could have used to uplift them, we now tear them down. And I wanted to, um, if I could real quick, this is, this is still on topic, but it's not to say that the Europeans that we see today are responsible. Oh, it's your fault. But there has to be some type of redress. It has to be an action taken to say, we did this wrong and this is what we're gonna do right. I'm a strong um, person that advocates, uh, uh, you know, us being given some type of money for everything that our ancestors have been through, land, resources, those things should be given, free schooling, all these things should be done. And it's not just gonna take us, they have to fight for it as well. This is where your responsibility comes in. We know for a fact, that majority of Europeans get a better education, get more pay. They have to deal with less of the struggle that we have to deal with. So let's just start from the basis. All of you need to get together in your groups and say, this is what we're going to do for this group of people in particular. Not because of um, no slight against anybody, not because of gay rights, not because women need to be uh, put on this uh, this school, whatever it is me, because these people as a whole have been done wrong, period. So, so because our people have been done wrong, this is how we're going to redress the situation. Right. I agree. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, because people talk about reparations all the time. But uh, I I do want to say, how are you going to give reparations to somebody who doesn't even know who they are? There you go. There you go. That's the whole issue right there. There So I tell people all the time that to get reparations is going to have to include um, your national identity you know, the reclamation of who you are and how you identify yourself. Uh, because without that dynamic, you, you're not identifying as a people, period, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, essentially, like, I have, uh, I hate saying the term white as it's applied to people, and I hate saying the term black as it's applied to people because those aren't terms, they are terms mm-hmm. of, of, they're not terms of endearment, okay? They're derogatory terms. It's no different than saying somebody, yo, you a slave. Like, you walk out, oh, shut up, you slave. It's no different. Mm-hmm. It's just that how we've been taught to, to, to relate to it connotatively. But here go some questions that I have even in the book that I want to read to people. And I'm going to go through them real quick. I got about like maybe eight to 10 questions. Yeah, so just the first question, as it relates to us referring to ourselves as Black or even referring to them as white, because you can reverse this as it relates to that. We say, so exactly how did we come to refer to ourselves by these terms? 
Number two, where do these terms come from? Number three, what do these terms actually mean? Especially if we're not the ones defining them. That's, that's a good question. Um, what we at? Number four, are these terms identity? Number five, are these terms the offspring of Aboriginal thought or culture? So did it come from my thought or our culture? Number six, who defined and gave meaning to these terms? Are the meaning of these terms and implication of these terms established by Aboriginal people? Number eight, how come so-called Black people, how come so-called Black people do not associate themselves with being Aboriginal or Indigenous to so-called America? As soon as you say the term Black, they don't even think about their relationship here. They'll go like this. Well, my grandmother has some Indian in her. She had Blackfoot, Navajo, or whatever the case may be, sounded so ridiculous. But anyway, number nine, how old are these terms? Number 10, do the term Black denote a national identity? Do Black denote a national identity? Number 11, who decided that these terms would be applied to Aboriginal people? Okay, number 11, uh, excuse me, number 12, do these terms bind or keep us in sync with our Aboriginal lineage or our Aboriginal character? Does Black keep you in sync with your culture as Aboriginal people? No, but if I go to another Spanish language, German language, French language, it's going, to, it's going to sink them automatically to their culture, to their way of life, to their spiritual system. And guess what? When you speak in English, because English is a dialect that has to have what you call interpretation after interpretation, it's hard to understand what you mean and for you to mean what you say. And because of these dynamics, when we speak to each other, we have to be very keen or we need to study what you call etymology or study linguistics, because you're gonna find out that when we use this term black, it is purposely used to hide your identity. And it don't matter how much a person argues, claim, scream, cry, and try to defend it. Try. This is our issue politically and socially. And when we fix it socially and politically, we can automatically begin to change our economical status because when we stop using it, we automatically can look at our birthrights. And I can show you the things that I've done my wife would tell you, my journey has been a journey for stories for all of our people, going back and reclaiming who we are and having it be not just recognized, but being acknowledged. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that we have to do. And then we have to stand on, you know, and that's really my position. So mm -hmm. this book is something that I think is going to really enlighten people. It's going to go into a lot of the doctrines and articles dealing with um, Christian inquisitions, uh, showing you how we were Christianized, showing you how we was misclassified, how you can look up certain laws and doctrines. This book is gonna have all that in there, plus a genre of images that's gonna contradict the history that we've been given about us being so-called slaves. We're not from, we're not Slavics. Right. We're not Slavic. So uh, I was just gonna say, this is a tool also that can be used in schools yeah. because they go through the same information from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade and beyond. Okay. And it doesn't include any of the information in this book. And this book is this information is just as real as all the rest of the information and should be presented. It should be an equal presentation of all this information so that children can pick and choose what they need. Right. You get what I'm saying? So right. You know, to tell y'all honestly, I think that when people it's beautiful. And I think that when people get offended and like you were mentioning, when you tell them you're not black, that's not, it's just a color. Like it's just a color. Like this lipstick does not have a language. This lipstick does not have a country. <laughs> this lipstick does not have right. a, a, 
it nothing it's nothing it's just the color i'm using i'm using it <laughs> it's just a thing the little the color it's just this anywho people are gonna <laughs> get offended because right all they've known has been a lie as cliche right. as that sounds so you people naturally want to hold on to something that defines who their whole life has been to be like you are in you you know you're moving in life and you are in your groove of life and then you're tearing it down with the truth and it's like ha play on words you're tearing (laughs) it down with the truth that you are not a simple crayon color you are much more than that how can it be like it cannot be initially it will be a fight it will be a denial for most that are very uh, grasped onto the idea that has been masking us all. But for many of us, I think we're ready for it. You know, I want to go ahead and put that out there. We're ready for it. Like, we're ready. It's time. And I think uh, the the offense is, like you said, because people go into denial. And what happens is when people go into denial, it's because they don't have the proper information to support how they feel. And not only that, they don't have the information to support what they believe. And we're not dealing with beliefs. We're not dealing with how you feel. We're not dealing with opinions. We're, we're dealing with the evidence. We're dealing with the facts. We're dealing with the truth. Now, once you get it, like, like, I, like I've learned, once you have gotten it, it is your responsibility to do something about it because you will not say that you was not informed. Now, mm-hmm. when you misinformed, I get that. But now we're telling you. And so it, 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 you should be offended. You should be offended that somebody even called you and branded you as black, Negro, colored or whatever it is that they call you today, darky, spook, whatever it is that they decide they want to call you. That's where you should be offended at. The person that has been purporting this, not the individual that's liberating, that wants you to think, that wants you to be objective. So you can begin to do the work that's that's inferred on your spirit to do. Because we got so much undone work that people are supposed to be doing because of their misconceptions about themselves. So their misconceptions about themselves also play case to the misconceptions they have about other people. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's no people that's going to kill you, commit acts of genocide, rape, pillage, change your name, and then they're going to give you, and then tell you that they love you, and then give you a Bible, or give you a Quran, or whatever instrument that they give you, and say that this came from God, and we love you, please forgive us. When they use those instruments to enslave you, and we can go inside those doctrines and prove this easily. We can prove this easily. So it ain't about your emotion. It's to say, why? Like I asked myself, why are our people suffering, continue to experience the same experience? The only difference between it being done directly, like you were saying earlier, is that it's been structured, it's been reconstructed, and it's been, been more cleverly hidden because people have more technology and resources to hide. They got more funding streams to, to develop and strengthen their technology to hide it. So now when we deal with it, it's, it's, it's all impressed upon our minds right. because Dr. John Henry Clark said it best. A person that's in power will not educate you to take away power from them. So I have to keep you reduced to thinking that you're Black. And if anybody want to look up something, look up the 1832 Henry Barry speech, okay? Look it up, the 1832 Henry Barry speech, who talks about um, how they wanted to, to pretty much take away and create the emancipation so there was no more slavery. But his whole position was to keep the Asiatics or indigenous people, which you call, refer to as black people, ignorant, keeping them ignorant to the beast of the food. He said his only job is to not only reduce the light, but to extinguish the light from their mind so that way they will be completely ignorant for life. He said there has to be a war between us and them. And it ain't that it gotta be that. This is just how they think. That's not our thing. And that's just how they think. But they want to reduce us. 
period, and keep us ignorant. Right. And once you understand this, you understand why the Board of Education in 1902 was funded by John Rockefeller. You will understand it. You will understand why it's purposely taught the way it is. You cannot have social studies. The only time you talk about social studies, you're talking about fucking George Washington and shit. Who want to hear about him? Yeah, and uh, in the social studies, all you really hear about is how much they colonized so many people, how it. they slaughtered. It's just like them bragging about everything they did. You don't really hear even uh, even distribution of everybody's real stories. They, they still uh, promote Thanksgiving, right. even though that's very offensive to a lot of people. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I was going to say that a lot of the times these groups are financially benefiting off of using the term black. Uh, when we look at the bank that was first started um, for the Freeman, was it the Freeman's bank that was started? Girl, they're still trying to figure out what happened to all that money. Okay, when we look at Black Lives Matter, we are not the owners of those companies. Did you tell her about those companies? Yeah, they're owned by Jewish, Jewish people. We're not, the owner, we're not the owner of those companies. That, those, that funding, is not going directly to our community. It's not happening. So a lot of times these funds they put together are not directly benefiting us. So it's just, it really is high time for us to really look at these things critically. But not emotionally. Not emotionally and start to deal with them. I was there um, when we had our child and uh, we we're in a hospital and they didn't even ask us who we are, anything. They just automatically marked up, I'm black, he's black, this child is black. And we went, we were at the hospital just for standing up for ourselves saying, hey, these are our rights that we're standing on. This is how things are going to go. And we had so many problems just based on standing on our ground. And in the end, we stood our ground and won. But, you know what I mean, just for the simple fact that you have to, uh, when you go places, they want to automatically put a label on you and don't even give you an opportunity to express who you are. Well, that's why I'm telling everybody, look up the 1720, excuse me, the 1740 Negro Act, because you understand that black is defined as a color, which means uh, the, the symbolic of, or the appearance of its prima facie evidence, meaning on the surface, it looks to be this way, but it may not be this way. So you may look at me and make the assumption and say, yeah, he's black. He's African-American, he's Negro. When the truth is, just like with you, Leslie, they said, oh, we thought you was Caucasian, what they referred to as white. When they should have said, well, what's your nationality? But they never bothered to ask you. So on the appearance, you may look like this, but really this is your bloodline and your lineage. And it's no different than our people. And so when we went to the hospital, we had all that stuff corrected, all of it, because you're not gonna misclassify our people, period. Because once they misclassify you, they treat you according to the property status that they classify you at. Black is a brand, okay, period. And no matter what people feel about it, that's just what it is. It's not an identity. It's not even, you don't even look black. See what I'm saying? And they don't even look what you call white. Right. But we need to understand that we're dealing with what you call alienation and misconceptions, period. So that's what this book is about, dispelling the misconception that we have about ourselves. And we can have these dialogues because at the end of the day, we can easily prove that, look, you're not black, period, right. if you're referring to yourself as that. Right. And we can easily prove that, look, you're not white. Period. And I think for a lot of people, they want to figure out, well, what am I going to get as a result of this? Like they want to say, okay, <laughs> if I change myself from being black, do I get, you know, some extra money? Do I get this? Do I get that? And we have to get beyond that. First, let's fix our status on who we are. Period. Okay. Yeah. But but all that's but all that's included. Don't get it twisted. You know what I mean? Your your tax exempt status, all these things are included. But the first thing is you need to understand who you are. And then collectively, we can collect this land, all these things that are ours back. Yes. So it's just so important to um, to sit down and get this information, teach it to our children, 
make sure it's in the schools, make sure everybody, you know, bringing this up. This is an issue that needs to be addressed. That's it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. But, you know, it, it's all great and dandy when you know where you come from. You know where you come from. So now it's time that we put attention into where we come from. So since you found this out, can you tell us who Truth Ali is? Where does your family come from? Well, yeah, uh, part of my family uh, come from what you call modern day New Jersey, uh, also Delaware. We are part of what you call the Lenape Nanakote Moors, uh, who were a group of Asiatics or Aboriginal people who had migrated from Delaware all the way to New Jersey who settled among New Jersey. New Jersey uh, that we refer to is called Lenape Hokan Territory. You know, and over there it's across from what you call modern day Philadelphia, which is referred to as Shekla Mexa in our native language. And so for me, I am the descendant of the Pahat and Natico Lenny Lenape people. Uh, my grandfather's name is uh, Chief Norman Carney. Uh, I have Mary Carney. We have a whole bunch of people. I have um, my mother's side and my father's side. And pretty much, I think that's the case for all of us. Um, it's just that uh, even my grandparents growing up who are indigenous having a fight being classified um, as what you call black. You know, and if you ever study 1790, um, the Racial Integrity Act, you start understanding about William Pleckler, who were pretty much just classifying people as either black or white, regardless of your ethnicity or where you come from. And so that's essentially who I am. And I already know that's who we all are, because we all have those same ties and lineage. It's just, uh, again, it's hidden through the language. And the language is to call you Smith Jones Johnson, and then to call you African, black, Negro, color. Once you escape and go beyond that, start to question what happens. Uh, before then, then you'll find out that you had a lineage. You find out that we didn't even have last names. We found out that we had titles of nobility, which is why I said Ali was a title of nobility that refers to a lineage, that refers to a people who was already here operating, et cetera. And it goes beyond that too, because we aren't, we aren't just Moors, we aren't just uh, indigenous, we're everything. We invite all of us. So for me, that's who I am. Um, and I stand on that as a historian. These are the things I teach to our family. And uh, I stand up in court. She'll tell you in court. His, doc uh, his documents reflect exactly what he's saying. And what I know, if right? you looked at his documents, that's exactly what you see on there. Yeah. Uh, whether he's in front of a judge for whatever the reason may be, he lets them know and they understand it because they're speaking on legal terms. Yeah, and there's always a presumption that you're Black when you go into these court venues. And so when you're, uh, what happens is they automatically implement the 1724 Black Christian codes on you. And as soon as they hear your last name, the Smith, Jones, Johnsons, or whatever it may be, as soon as they hear it, they automatically associate you and classify you as property. In law, that's called MREM. They classify you as property. So my position has been to present my own documents, my own instruments that reflects my consciousness as being Asiatic, as being indigenous, as being an adequate, as being a more, and standing up on these things and saying, listen, this is who I am. And as a result, I have been beating all my cases um, because it's always about the status and black is in the status. It's, let me say that differently. Black is a dead status. It has right. no legal right, which of course are bound to judicially know. Right. And you look up the word color in the law book if you want to see what I'm saying. Yeah, the judge cannot even move forward without <laughs> first establishing jurisdiction. Right. And to, to establish jurisdiction, you have to, there's, there's a, it's a whole procedure, but if right. you know who you are, 
Right. If you know where you're from and you speak on those things, they don't have jurisdiction. Yeah, could, it's, it's really could, different. Could jurisdiction jurisdiction is primarily about uh, a person having authority to do a particular thing. Who's who's been given the authorization to do a particular thing? And authorized means permission. So who's been given the permission to do a particular thing? And when you talk to a people who, like I do, I say, well, who are you? Oh, where you're from? Oh, well, I don't have any ties or any agreements with you or your culture, or your country, or your people. So therefore, we, don't, we ain't got no arrangement. So we ain't got no arrangement that you don't have any type of jurisdictional authority to even speak with me. And if you say that you do, then I need you to be able to say, delegate me your authority, meaning prove your authority and show me your right where it, where it exists. And okay. I destroy the presumption that exists in your mind because they want you to refer to yourself as slave. And when you go into the courtroom, you're afraid. So with all that right. being said, I think it's off topic. That's essentially what we do and who I am. Yeah. You know? And my, my great, my great grandmother's from Virginia and she was literally forced to change her nationality in order to have rights in order to do particular things. So she had the label misclassifying my grandmother as Negro and herself in order to get certain rights, even though she knew what tribe she was from, she was practicing active in her tribe, but in order to get rights, that's what she had to do. That comes from that racial integrity act. So if you go back and look at the racial integrity act, that's a part of that. That's the effect of that racial integrity act. And it's real sad because people are being forced to hide their identity to accept, again, like she's saying, not, not even rights, but privileges, because privileges can be taken. That's why when you that's why when you're classified as black, for instance, they say, well, in 2010, we're gonna have the Voters Rights Act and we're gonna sit down together as Congress and, and decide whether we wanna reenact it. Because remember, they can take away privileges, but they cannot take away rights because rights are inalienable. But if you got a privilege, we can take it away. So black people are people who are classified as black or misclassified as black are given privileges. They don't exercise rights. That's why they march in the streets because you don't see any other ethnic group or any other nation doing these things. You only see us doing these things, period, because we want all these privileges and don't understand. So that's that's the, that's 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 a whole conversation within itself. Right. Because you're dealing with status once again. Right. And and a part of our responsibility is, like he's saying, um, to rename ourselves. I, I went I actually went through a sacred woman circle uh where I got my titles, um, which are, you know, you know, Ariane Hiruti Asheti, Samira, Ma'ati. And that just means double truth, double wisdom. She who carries the power within our heart. Um, so it's and it's like returning to love, returning to beauty. These titles are given to us by elders. These titles are given to us for things that we see attributes in ourselves, And it literally is the time for us to define who we are, right. um, to figure out where you come from so you can have a title for a last name, for a first name, not still carrying the name of those that- Of Christians. Yeah, of Christians and those that have bound you and your people for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah, and, so, that, and that's it. So you, you gotta, again, reclaiming. That's what this is all about, reclamation, reclaiming that which is yours and being confident in it. Because what you find out that in secrecy, that these Europeans, especially when you deal with the Masonic Lodges, et cetera, they carry your names, your titles, excuse me, your titles and your appellations, and they're referring to your ancestors while you're completely ignorant of them. I, I, like I asked my mother, how come you know about all the characters that's in the Bible? You know, Paul, Peter, John, Mark, you know, Luke, you know, all these characters who are all Eurocentric. All Europeans, real or not ask, real, <laughs> real or not real or not real, and then when you ask them about Aboriginal people, you ask them about their own culture, you ask them about their own people, they don't have a clue, and they don't see it as an issue. 
until you bring it to their attention to make them think. And this is essentially what we're doing with this book and with ourselves. So this is who yeah. Truth Ali is. Right. I mean, this right. is part of who I am. Yeah. I know that's right. Thank you. So I think that it's it's very encourageable what it is that you have for us. You know, where can we go ahead and find this book? It's amazing. It's a great tool for us to actually start seeking the truth about ourselves and where we come from, the great people, individuals, and tribes that we are. Um, where can we find this book? You can find it on www we are not black.org. And we, you'll also find lots of other good material as the um, My Baby is a Scholar, which we use to teach our children to learn how to properly read a dictionary. Um, just, it teaches you everything about the English language. There's so much information in there. So we use that as a teaching tool for the children. Um, he also has a shop immunity vaccine documents for people that want to get immune uh, want to get documents to say they're immune from getting vaccines or anything else to That's further big. protect their rights yes and the book is amazing it comes with your pictures on it um documents that can be signed and notarized everything is custom made it's a phenomenal book um it's for adults and children so it's for everyone also right to travel is so many books <laughs> they'll be able to get access to and information um, on for people that are uh, into those different things when they go there. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, oh, that's that's phenomenal. We definitely got to go to your website, check out your book. We have to pay attention. This is, in a sense, liberating us step by step from our oppressors. And I say oppressors because this whole system, regardless if one of us works up there, we work in for the main machine that's built to bring us down. So this is this book, the books that y'all have is not just one, it's an opportunity for us to enlighten ourselves to know that we have rights. So we definitely have to go onto your website, tap in, purchase, show support, because it's an investment. We're pouring into you guys to get back something that's gonna benefit us and our family. So thank you. Um, sis, uh, so what pieces of advice do you have for our young entrepreneurs? Um, my biggest piece of advice would just be to definitely put 100% into whatever it is that you wanna pursue. Like, do not second guess yourself. Like, I know a lot of people out there and say, well, it's scary out there, but this happens, that happens. There are so many ways to make money, especially today. You know, whether you're renting out your car, leasing out your house, whatever the case may be, there's so many ways to do it. So I would just say, definitely don't turn anything down and whatever you're doing, put 100% into it. And I guess my number one thing would be invest in the stock market. <laughs> Always have multiple streams of income because just one stream is never going to be totally enough. It's always good to invest your money, no matter what. So I would say that. Mm. That's correct. You? That's correct. What about you, bro? Uh, well, several things. One of the things for me is always to remind any entrepreneur that um, everything is about giving back to you, to yourself and to your, to your family, to your community. Um, before you take your dollars and spend it in other communities, make sure you circulate it amongst your own self, amongst your own people, so that way you're able to build economical foundation, period. You can generate a collective community wealth by doing these things, you know? And the other thing is this, that's real critical for, for our people. Um, like I was taught by Elder, you know, Elder Victor, 
Elder Victor Golden, he told me three things um, that you will always be able to generate wealth with economics and finances with these three things. He said a product, a service, and information. With a product and with service, with information, you will always be able to generate. So as long as you have a product, service, and information, you'll be able to create and generate wealth and economics for yourself. So, and it's always about creativity. So whatever you create, you'll be able to benefit from. But those three particular things I thought was real critical to being really focused on creating something without having a mind having to go everywhere. Just focus on those three particular things and you will have wealth. You will be able to create wealth for yourself. That's right. Yes, yes, I agree. So like you mentioned, sis, you definitely have to bet on yourself 100%. And bro, like you mentioned, you have to have something tangible or a service or, or information to make that step to be an entrepreneur and go all in, like my sis said. So guys, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy family and business life to actually come on my show. It's a true honor. Um, you both mentioned cooking up more stuff for us. So the more y'all cook up more books and more knowledge and more product, more service, we're here. We're going to bring you back onto House of Ramirez. But for now, I'm very appreciative of this opportunity. And until next time. Yeah. All right. And thank you for having us. We really appreciate uh, you putting us on your platform and giving us this opportunity. It's been the same uh, exchange for us. And we're glad to be a part of any projects that you're on. So we want to say thank you as well. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And uh, tell people, man, it's a, it's a wonderful platform, House Ramirez. Um, like I said, I think to create a platform that's speaking and catering to us as a community of people, um, it's just so, so important because uh, I think these conversations bring healing. Uh, and I see that you're reaching uh, economics. I see that you're reaching healing i see that you're reading just all those dynamics that come, come th things that we need law. To, to law everything <laughs> that we need to heal i think to be able to do mm -hmm. that and bring together like i'm here to support you whatever i can do and show up because uh we need it and i appreciate it i know everybody else especially in the long run especially your children they're going to appreciate it because they're going to be able to reflect back on these conversations and all this information that you brought to them and trust me we need it you know, we need it. So thank you for having us and inviting us. And um, hopefully, <laughs> you know, we measure up to um, just what your platform represents, you know. And so I look forward to seeing the, the interview later and seeing how everything turns out. Yeah, and definitely. Us being able to share whatever we can do on our and let us know because we want to share uh, anything that you're doing with our friends and our family because uh, we got people that be following us too. Right, so, right. That's right. Yeah, it's right. unity, unity amongst each other. That's what's going to get us far. So right. yeah, yeah, most deaf, most deaf. I appreciate y'all. Right. And <laughs> until next time, thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. Peace. 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 Make sure to follow House of Ramirez on all social media platforms.